which I don't in the overall title because that would be wildly confusing and I do math mm-hmm. at work and I don't like doing math so I'm not going to do it in the thing that I have fun with which is podcasting um, but if you if you factor in stocking stuffers which have been going on for like five years at least between 10 and 16 episodes of those like we're over a number that is higher than 150 clearly yeah but in terms of like proper episodes that I have numbered, uh, and again, realize I have also been known to, on more than one occasion, number an episode completely the wrong number, a number we've already done. So I'm going to say we're at like 752 episodes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is more of like a vibe podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like it. Look, do, do, did I, do I talk about the same movies over and over again? Sure. Can you barely hear me sometimes? Yeah. Do we not number things correctly? Absolutely. But, like, that's not why you're here. No, I don't you, know why you're, you're here. You're here for a reason. We don't know what it is, but it seems to work. So to that, we just say you're welcome. How's that? Yeah. And thank you. That too. And we're sorry. All of these things. All of them. Uh, but this is another mass catch-up episode, because it's been a while since we've gone over all the stuff we've been watching. I know it's October, and Christine, you do a whole spooky October. Is that happening this year? Yeah, but like, I don't really have anything yet. <laughs> Which it, sounds ominous, but I'll explain it when we get we're exactly detail. halfway through the month, so. Y- yes, but that doesn't necessarily mean I have 15 movies to... Well, because it's been like two plus months since we've done one of these, we both probably have loads from, you know, summertime, which is for me prime horror season. Uh, So we're going to talk about a whole bunch of stuff. Um, We're going to probably focus on horror, but we'll see what the time does. If we have time, we'll go into some non-horror. But uh, I don't know, until then... We're going to start with probably the two, two of the, I guess I should say most high-profile horror films to come out this year. I think that's a fair. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's fair. So two movies that came out close-ish together with very different release styles, which I think is fascinating, uh, and those are Malignant and Candyman. Uh, So we're going to start by talking about those. We'll go into detail on both, so there'll probably be some spoilers if you haven't watched either. Um, Then, I don't know, wait until you hear some form of music, which will mean that I have, we have moved on from these. Because I think there are a lot of people that haven't seen these. I'm definitely going to spoil Candyman. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Um, So which one do you want to talk about first? Um, I don't care. (laughs) How helpful, how, what, see, this is why people still listen, you know, they, they listen for the, uh, the musings. Well, let's talk about Malignant, because okay. I think more people have seen it. And I think we both watched that one first, because both you and I did not go to theaters for anything. Uh, and Malignant, and I, this was fascinating to me, 
was the difference in um, the way you're saying, and I think you're right, more people saw Malignant, at least more people that we know saw Malignant. I think looking at like my social media feed, which admittedly is mostly fellow horror movie fans, everybody was talking about Malignant. Candyman had a sprinkle of that when it opened in theaters. It had a little bit more of a sprinkle when it came on demand. But I think... And again, I'm not a producer. I'm not the person who is really looking at the numbers. But I think Malignant is going to have such a bigger footprint, not because it's a better movie, but just because of the way it was released. So many more people got to see it and talk about it at the same time. Yeah, it definitely... I'm not at all... Like, I think Candyman did really well at the box office. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think that saying more people saw it is a judgment on like I didn't mean that as a judgment on the movie at all oh no no it's purely the way these movies were released and it's a completely yeah if 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 the same amount of I that's so unquantifiable too so like air quotes if the same amount of people saw both you're right the conversations on on my on my end in my social media feeds were not happening around Candyman the way they were around Malignant yep which is fascinating um, for Malignant, I'm really curious, what did you think? I, I liked it. I liked it a lot. I thought, uh, he was taken, uh, James Wan was taking big swings. Oh God, Big yes. swings. <laughs> and, um, so. Which I respect. The, yeah. And, and you know what? Do it. Yeah. Do it. I don't, make it goofy, make it weird, make it absurd. You're making a genre movie. Mm-hmm. Like, like at this point, we've kind of, all the tropes have been laid on the table. Now it's just what you do different with them. Yeah. And, I mean, he he did it. He did the damn thing. Uh, yeah. Um. I, with Malignant, I, what I, the thing about James Wan, he is one of the most underrated I don't know what the term is I don't want to say the most underrated filmmaker because I I think he's a good filmmaker I don't think he's a great filmmaker but I think his success is wildly underrated by everybody because not only did he do Aquaman and like redefine Fast and the Furious if you look at horror in the last 20 years he take I guess Blumhouse or take like Paranormal Activity found footage that is one of three defining things of the 21st century horror. The other two, Saw and Conjuring Insidious PG-13 Ghostly yep. Universe. Like, yep. and, and that's why like my prediction on Malignant that I hope comes true, because I didn't love it. I had fun with it. It was stupid. It was entertaining. It was a lot of things. But my theory, I'm like, you know, he did twice where he put a movie out without, I think, any intention of this, but hit upon something that turned into a genre. Saw turned into five to ten years of torture porn. Um, Insidious turned into Sinister and Conjuring and Annabelle and that whole thing. And not just his movies, but horror kind of swimming, swinging back to this sort of more restrained ghostliness. And I, I am going to happily predict that malignant's going to mean we're going to get a weird 70s throwback with crazy plot twists for the next couple of years and i'm fine with that oh my god is it finally my time in the sun um i i hope um i worry because you just said you know saw launched a thousand torture porns 
when that wasn't really what I want would have liked people to walk away from Saw with. Of course. So, yeah. So I worry what people are going to walk away from this movie with because I, apparently a lot of people immediately thought Basket Case when they saw this. Like that was their big reference. But like I was like, oh, this is like Sisters, the department yeah. movie Sisters. I was like, this is Madhouse. This is not G. Because I, I mean, there were so many arguments about whether this was Giallo or Giallo adjacent. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was a straight Giallo, but I think for me, the reference I got most, and there are people who say no, this is late '90s dark dark house production. For me, it yeah. was '70s Italian wacky plot swings female protagonist who's sort of a detective but isn't a detective um who has all these crazy things happen to her and then crazy plot reveal like to me it felt and the the thing and the reason I think I went towards that was because it's the only way to justify the really terrible dialogue I don't know if I noticed the dialogue. I'm trying to think. Christine, my whole life, I have yearned for a blood connection. Have you ever met anyone in your entire life who has used the word yearn in a conversation? Well, it was it was melodrama, right? And that's why yeah. I thought Sisters, because Sisters yep. is like a, a melodrama. Yeah. I don't know. It all felt, look, it all... <sighs> anybody that didn't like it is completely valid you could i could probably sit here and make a list of reasons why you shouldn't like it but but it was a cohesive thing that worked Mm -hmm. it worked on every level there was not one bit out of place it was like a very weird puzzle like it it came together the way it was meant to come together do you like it at the end i don't know (laughs) but it it was a puzzle like somebody did it and 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 I appreciated that. I think he took big swings, and Oops. he also so he cast um, Annabelle, yep. who's, who's, who's whose name is Annabelle, who was in Annabelle. Annabelle. Who's, we're just gonna call her Annabelle. She she I I really like her. She was in X Men First Class. If you've ever heard me talk about Annabelle on the show, I've told you she was in X Men First Class. Um, I really enjoy her. I liked her. I yeah. She, She's very talented, so it was really exciting that, like, oh, look, she gets to be in this movie. (laughs) Can we talk about something that has driven me crazy, though? Because I don't think enough people are talking about it. Um, Okay, so Annabelle in this movie has long, dark hair with bangs. Yes. And there is another character in the movie who's introduced who has long, dark hair and bangs. And at one point, when we start discovering the secret of Annabelle's childhood, we identify her because we see a picture of her at the age of eight with long, dark hair and bangs. This movie, according to this movie, women not only never change their hairstyle, but also hairstyle is a genetic identifier that ties a woman to another female relation. Um, flawless reasoning. It <laughs> bothered me so much sh- watching this movie. I think I paused really- it to Brandon. I'm like, women change their hair! That came up in something else recently, but I'm never going to be able to remember it. Mm. Like, something where I'm supposed to believe that this, in flashbacks, that this little girl looked, never changed her hair. Yep, yep. And, but like... And bangs, man. They always go... And I get it, like, in fairness, my older sister has had bangs her whole life because she once tried to not have bangs and she thought her forehead was weird. Uh, No, I don't think her forehead is. If, Diane, you're not listening, but if you are, your forehead's fine. (laughs) But it was one of those things where it's like, okay, yes, every picture of my sister you're going to ever find, she's had bangs. 
but she's also colored her hair. She's cut her hair. Like, nobody. And movies do this. They define women by bangs. Yeah, and when what it really just comes down to is, again, it's, it's, it's speaking of vibes. It's a vibe. Like, you want an easy shorthand for... Sure. For relation, for, yeah. for you know, mm-hmm. oh, I can, I recognize her because she looks like that. And like, and I'm fine with that. I mean, I used to have long, wavy, scraggly hair when I was a kid, and that's what my hair looks like now. So honestly, <laughs> you could probably do that with me right now with, the, with an old picture. But I, I do, I do get what you're saying. But to a degree, this movie doesn't live in any reality. Oh, completely. Yeah. And I wish, in a way, I think it could have pushed... A little harder on that. I think if I have I a flaw aside from the the dialogue that again I'm kind of excusing because I think it's intentional, but I don't know if it is. It it does have a lot of kind of floppy bits that I don't know if they're intended to do what they do. Like the um the she's I guess the co-writer of the film, but the CSI girl, which is what I'm gonna call her because that's what she is presented as and every CSI show now has to have like the CSI girl who's kind of nerdy, who wears glasses and all this. What is she doing in this movie? Aside from being the writer, so being in the movie because she wrote the movie. Who is she? Wait, what? She's the one who has the crush on um, Kokoa Shaw, who's always says his full name, so I will too. She's the the CSI girl with the glasses, <laughs> and she's CSIing all the time. Holy shit! I don't know what you're talking about. It's been a while. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so my point is there's a little things that I think make it messy and I'd be okay with it if I thought it was, if it, if it winked at me maybe a little harder, I'd be like, no, okay, I get it. That's all there for a reason. But it doesn't. So there's stuff that I don't know how serious I'm supposed to take anything. Um, But overall, hey, again, fun. I'll take more movies like this. Yeah. Yeah, I also it, it it was supposed to be in Washington State. I think Seattle. No, not at all. <laughs> not in the least. But I mean, come on, that's cliche at this point to point out that something wasn't filmed where they were saying <laughs> we just don't have thunder and lightning like that here. Oh, well, but do you have um, people with uh, malignants uh, turning into like superhero reaper esque yes. characters in the back of their heads, all all over the place. Okay, well then, then yeah, factually inaccurate. That doesn't bother me. All right, and then uh, so it's a recommend for you, right? Like, oh, definitely. Yeah. But I think if you're going into this with like a you want art house cinema, or you need something deadly serious, or you want these themes to be treated with the utmost respect <laughs> and care, hit the bricks, buddy, because no, 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 no. you're not going to find it here. No, you will not. Uh, tonally, a movie that I think is kind of the opposite of that, then, is Candyman. Yeah. Candyman 2021, yes. which, um, so I, I rented on demand. I was excited to do it. I wanted to give this movie my money, but I did not want to go to a theater and do it, so I was able to do it at home. Mm-hmm. Um, you did the same, I assume? Same. What, uh, yeah. So where did you land on this? Um, I really liked it. Mm-hmm. Um. I, I did watch it as soon as it was available on demand. So like, again, we're, it's a little while back now. I don't, I can't really have a super nuanced discussion yeah. about it. Cause there are some things that I probably forgot and points I'm not going to be able to make eloquently. Um, it was not perfect. Mm-hmm. I think that there have been um, some, some complaints or some um, feelings about it that aren't at all untrue. But I, um, for me, it, it worked really, really well. And I will, I will get your opinion and I will tell you why it worked well for me. Go. 
Um, okay, so I'm excited. I want to rush through my opinion to hear this. No, don't. So I will say, I think Jason said this when he was on the show last episode. Um, he's like, I liked it, but I kind of forgot about it. And I think that is true also. I really enjoyed when I was watching it. I was so into it. It ended and I wanted more, which is a cool thing. It's very mm-hmm. short. It could certainly have been longer. But also I respect that it was like, no, 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 we have this thing that we're going to do. We're going to do it and then we're going to get out. Um, now, I do – There now, the, the biggest thing I think, damn what a shame that this movie came out when it did. Because uh, not that this is not still a very timely movie that is tackling serious issues that are ongoing, um, but a movie about um, like institutional violence against black men mm-hmm. um, is still always going to resonate and should always resonate. But I think so many people felt like this movie coming out in, you know, August of 2021, a year and a half after this conversation was really out there. And this movie had pretty much already been made. Um, I think it's just such a shame to it because I think its message is is coming across as, um, how do I say it? People watch this movie and said, oh, it had nothing new to say. Well, it would have if you watched this when it was meant to come out. And then you would have said, wow, this movie got it right away. And I think that is a detriment, not necessarily to the movie. That's just a case of timing that really hurts it. Um, But it does, I think, it's one more reason why I think it doesn't stick as hard in everybody's mind the way it might have a year and a half ago. Uh, But I thought it was well done. I thought it was um, funny where it needed to be. I really... I liked the visuals. I liked a lot of what she did with staging violence. I think she found a new way to do it. That's really cool. I agree. I read. I've read that that the direction was poor, and I um, respectfully disagree. Same. Uh, again, I am a white woman, and I know that my kind is awful, and I'm not going to sit yeah. here and apologize for it because, like, we all got yeah, eyeballs. We're worse. Yeah, we're bad. We know. We're terrible. But like, but like, I, it's not. It's not poorly directed. No, I, I, I respectfully disagree with you to, to say that it was it was visually very compelling, mm-hmm. really lovely, really well lit. It just looked good. Yeah, it looked like a movie. And a lot of people talk about that, like lack of depth and color and a lot of like air quotes Netflix movies. And it this looked like a fucking movie and yeah. it was really beautiful. Yeah. Um, I had seen the criticism that it didn't say enough. It took a stance without taking a stance. Mm. Um, again, that's not really my criticism to make. Yeah, I don't. But but I will say, wow, if I, if I did agree with that at all, the very end of that movie fucked me all the way up. It was fantastic. Yeah. It was chilling. And, and, ugh. <laughs> I, I'll get emotional talking about it. Like, there was this, like, really interesting... I don't want to call it a reclamation because that, that cheapens it a little bit. But, like, there's there was this, this intentional power shift at the end mm. that, in my opinion, made up for maybe any other way that the film was lacking. Yeah. Like, that last line... If you, I don't yep. know if you recall it. I but think he I do. Yeah. The camera, yeah. and he says, "Tell everyone." It is. It. It was fucking wild. Yeah. Yeah, and I think 
there, there's a there, like as we're talking more through it, and I'm kind of remembering more about it. There's a lot of things that I'm like, oh yeah, it made a lot of really good decisions. Um, I think another criticism has been like, oh, your main character is kind of being these pseudo gentrified. Mm-hmm. Um, black professionals, it's like, yeah, but that makes more sense to get to where you're going to get. Because mm-hmm. if you told a story set in the projects, and it's about kids that have always been a pro- that just have like completely where it's, it's so obvious of how unfair systems is. Instead, no, it makes more sense to be a little more nuanced of here are two people who have succeeded. Here are two people who have who are re-gentrifying or gentrifying this neighborhood, um, but they, should they be doing this? That, and what it, I think the character, the, I can't remember the character's name, but the main guy, you know, um, spoiler alert, eventual Candyman, him being this artist who's pulling from trauma without processing it or without owning it and trying to take ownership of it for different means, like, all of that's pretty sophisticated and I think is saying a lot and mm-hmm. it didn't have to. It would have been very easy to have the Coleman Domingo character or a version of him be the lead in this movie. But it doesn't. It does it as, okay, in 1992 we told this story from a white woman's perspective and this movie is, which I think is really smart about incorporating that and saying, oh right, that's what everybody thinks of. Okay, now we're telling it from a black man's point of view, but not necessarily the black man that you knew in that movie, because we don't have a character like that in the 1992 version. You have to get to that because you you didn't have professional black men in movies so much in the 90s. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I I think it's, there's a lot of good decisions. Again, I don't know what would have made it work better for me if it was timing or if it was, maybe I just need a little more. Um, yeah, I think it, I mean, it was a studio film. Uh-huh. I, I don't know how, how many, what, like, not to be, I, I again, I have no place. I re- truly understand. I want to make people, make <laughs> sure people know. I don't feel like I should be telling, I'm not telling anybody how to feel about yeah, this movie, same. but I don't know what people expect out of Nia DaCosta. She can't be everything. Yeah. She can't do everything. She's making this movie. And if it didn't hit, racial inequality or or you know violence or like it hard enough then maybe somebody will do that movie that you're looking for yeah. in the future and it kind of it's it's been a thing that I've been thinking about a lot lately mm. is is you at some point we have to pass judgment on the movie that we got not the movie that we wanted and it's if it we wanted it to go harder and I agree it could have it could have been a div- it could have been a fucking firework show of a movie just like the 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 realist most gritty upsetting awful thing you've ever seen but that's not what they did and like it's okay to like be disappointed and and i begrudge no one for saying that it was crappy because of all the reasons why we've already said but i just didn't feel that way and maybe that's my privilege as a white broad that mm-hmm. I can just sit yeah. here and be like, I thought it was powerful. Huh? <laughs> but like I, I did. Yeah. Same. Same. Yeah. yeah. I, I look forward to watching it again because Me too. I yeah. definitely did have expectations and it, it hit a lot of them, but it also did stuff I didn't expect and mm-hmm. didn't do stuff that I expected it to do. It, it, it handled it in a really 
it handled the the lore and the legacy in a way I didn't expect. Same. And I think it's really interesting that they did not sell this as a sequel when that is 100% what this is. Yep. This is not a remake. This is a direct sequel to the 1992 film. And on one hand, hey, it's good marketing. Look, Hey, look at the new Scream that they're calling Scream and not Scream 5 for some stupid reason. But the point is, oh, right, because if you haven't seen the first movie or the first four movies, oh, that might lose some of an audience who thinks they have to prep for it. So I'm assuming that's why they didn't call it, or not even call it, because I think it was always going to be called Candyman, but why they didn't tell anybody that it was going to be a sequel. That sequel is a surprise. Um, you see Vanessa L. Williams' name in the opening Ugh. credit, so maybe you're like, oh, oh, okay. But there's nothing in the movie to make you realize, oh, no, this is this is a world in which everything that happened in 1992 happened, and mm-hmm. this is the follow-up to that, um, and, which I liked. And that's actually some of my favorite stuff. So yeah. while, while Nia and co. Um, might not have done some of the the racial elements that I was expecting. Um, what she they did do that I was not expecting and found delightful was the recontextualization of what we know happened yeah. versus what 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 persisted and what got what was in the news and what got yeah. turned into 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 news stories and that that's great that's a great well, angle especially like, when you think of how right the original film is a huge theme of it is urban legends right yep. the power of the urban le- legend mm-hmm. and this movie is very much embracing that because that i mean that is ultimately the power of the movie the the final shot the final line is hey, this thing now is going to seep into everybody because of this power of shared, uh, you know, we make up stories to justify something or to explain something or to scare people and look at the power that has. And I I think that, and again, I I think we're talking both of ourselves into like, respecting it more liking it more and i'm definitely now like yeah i really do need to rewatch it soon yeah because i'm like oh yeah if i go in with this this angle i'm gonna see a totally different movie no it's not it's not perfect and one of one of zach's um main issues i think at least it sounded like it was that they they really did they they kind of hit us over the head with what happened in the original movie Mm. And I, I don't, I don't, I don't 100% disagree with that. Like, I do feel like maybe it was a bit more heavy handed, but I'm also me. And I've seen that movie multiple times. Right. And so you're, like, and this movie is made for a whole lot of people who, I mean, Candyman wasn't streaming on Netflix, so they might not have seen Candyman. So you did have to kind of speak to the rafters with that. Yeah, but there was enough, like, um, there was enough stuff that I felt like, oh, I am being catered to, though. Like, right. there were, and, and there was some upsetting stuff. I thought I thought it was good, and it was the visually really great. The stuff mm-hmm. in the, um, the, at the art show, I really Yeah, liked. oh, yeah, that, and that first, just that first um, death, that first death scene is not quite something I've seen before. Yeah. And, it, I mean, the, the art critic, the, the way she shoots that is a... I mean, that's still, I still keep thinking about that. Yeah. It's, it, I think it's really great. And, um, I don't, I don't think it's going to be like a cult classic, but I think maybe, um, in time, uh, the opinions on it might soften a little yeah, bit. I think so too. Um, all right. So we are done with our <laughs> Candyman spoilers. Insert happy candy music here. Sometimes you feel like a nut. Sometimes you don't. I'm enjoying that nut. Mounds don't. 
Mom and Joy's got real milk chocolate, yeah, yeah. coconut and munchy nuts too. Mom's got deep dark chocolate and chewy coconut. Sometimes you feel like a nut, sometimes you don't. Peter Paul, Mom and Joy's got nuts. Peter Paul, Mom's don't. Because sometimes you feel like a nut, sometimes you don't. Uh, and then let's move on. Um, I've watched a couple of remakes just while we're on the topic of remakes. Have you? Have you? Like what? What? Um, okay. Oh, wow. Actually, now that I'm saying that, I'm like, wait, I've watched a whole lot. Um, here's one that I guess is, is technically, I mean, it's both a readaptation, but it's very much a remake. 2020 somethings, The Witches. Oh, I've seen it. Yeah. I wanted this to be good. It's not. It had a lot of potential and there were things about it that I was like, Right, but I pretty much walked away from. I I'd have to look and see what I rated it. I walked away from it pretty like. Meh. I the thing. I mean, the casting is great. Like it's a really good cat. Like Stanley Tucci is there. You're gonna put Stanley Tucci in a movie. I'm gonna get very excited. Um, I think Anne Hathaway is doing her best. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Octavia Spencer is is having fun. I love the idea of oh it, we're gonna you know flip some things and. It's the 60s, and our leads are black, but the movie also has does not want to really deal with that. Yeah. So, what was the point? Yeah, and it's like one of those like, oh, you could, you don't have to call attention to it, except you've set your movie in the early 60s in Alabama in a fancy hotel, mm-hmm. and when the characters first get there, there's like a moment or two of management being like, oh, what are you doing here? And then it just completely goes away. And on one hand, like, I, I'm fine with a movie just being, basically being colorblind and saying, what the fuck? We wanted this. This is what the actors we wanted. This is the cast we wanted. And we don't want this to be a movie about racism. I understand that. That's not what you're going for. But it like throws touches of it at you to where you're like, Am I in am I in a world where it's 1962 in Alabama or am I in a world that's a fictional movie where that's not a thing and it's just a weird choice that just kind of lingers there I thought it was very ugly the C- at one point I think I tweeted the CGI looked like they got the cheapest asylum studio CGI I've ever seen it, I thought it's, it looked ugly It's really not good Yeah um, like really not good yeah. like 2006 not good. Like I don't know. It it's had to have been an expensive movie. You would think. Well, it's it's also Zemeckis, um, which once I realized that at the end, I'm like, a lot of this makes sense now. That, yeah. and again, look, Rob Zemeckis made made Back to the Future. He's he is not a bad director, but I think he has kind of gone down a rabbit hole of kids entertainment and 3D animation where he's just not on the same level of somebody watching his movie. Like, mm-hmm. he he doesn't see it with the right eyes, so to him this looks right. It, it does not look right. Um, the, and the thing that I think really, like, bugged me, because it was one of those, like, I sat down to watch it, and then about, like, half hour in, I'm like, I'm going to start dinner. <laughs> like, I could just have oh. this on in the background. Okay, this is a movie that does a little tiny thing that's really weird, in the first movie and in the book, you have the character of Bruno, who's like this little chubby, bratty British boy. And in this movie, you have Bruno, and he's a little chubby, bratty British, British boy, but he's not chubby, but the movie treats him like he's chubby, and he is so food-obsessed that it's very, like, this is this just doesn't work, and this feels weird, and it I, like now I feel like you're kind of fat-shaming this mouse. Um, 
because you're 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 picking and choosing things you liked from the original and from the book and you're putting them here and they're not working and i don't know the more the more i i talk about it the more angry i am at how many balls it dropped yeah it wasn't it was it was nothing they did they didn't make any actual choices with yeah. it and then there was the way that they cho- chose to signify that they were witches a lot of people had issues with because it was equating like like physical differences as meaning you're evil yeah which was just a weird choice i don't know how the the um original managed to like sidestep so much of this and it does like you and i are both huge fans of that original i think it's because it's so weird um and it's puppetry so and makeup so it just feels like okay you're there's there is design and there is intention but it never feels like anti-semitic the way even the novel i think is a bit like there's just things going on that you don't get in the original that that make it work and this one just did not work for me no it didn't um two other i guess only two other remakes i think on my list um Okay, so uh, Brandon and I, two of our friends, do a podcast. It's a very good podcast. Everybody should listen to. It's called DVD Deathmatch. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's our friends Liza and Mike, and they are a married couple, and they have a lot of DVDs. What they do is they randomly pick two DVDs and decide which one they're going to keep and which one they're going to give away. So they invited us on for October and said, okay, here's a list of all the horror movies we have. Pick two to talk about. And I, I don't know what's wrong with me, because my wonderful husband, like, picks like it gives me 10 options he's like okay here's a bunch of choices i have and i'm looking at them i'm like you know i'm really intrigued by the idea of talking about the nightmare on elm street remake and the halloween remake christine what is what wrong with me are you doing I you know that nightmare three on El- other people watch these movies do you know that the nightmare on elm street remake is almost it's it's unconscionably bad like there's nothing redeeming about it kyle gulner you've got kyle gulner in there but for but for, at what cost? <laughs> well, I, you know, again, I remember I was one of the, and I'm not going to say I was ever a defender of that movie. No, but, but I you always felt, you felt were fascinated that movie, by it. I'm fascinated by it. I always felt like that movie um, was never going to win. That people wanted to hate it before anything was announced. And I thought the things that people complain about with that movie, a lot of them, I think, are the wrong things to complain about. Like, don't complain about the dreams not being elaborate. Complain about Rooney Mara being terrible. Like Her, her performance so is so... Oh my God, what is so she doing? Nothing. She's doing that. She's whining and being angry about being in this movie that she should have just not been in. Not been in. Ugh. So that people lump this one in with the other, you know, remakes of the platinum dooney remakes of the similar time this is in my opinion hands down the worst of them i see here's the thing that i still maintain i think this is the in some ways the most um unsuccessful because there is a good movie buried in here there are ideas there is clearly 12 different scripts that kept getting (laughs) shuffled around and cut but there were different ideas in here and compared to some of the other remakes, this one went into its movie saying, we're going to do something different. We're going to we're going to do something different with Freddy. We're going to tell a different story. 
And those ideas are all interesting. And then the movie realizes halfway through, oh shit, we can't actually do that. We'll piss people off. If Freddie is innocent, which I think would have been really interesting. And yes. could have, he still could have been a monster. He still could have decided to kill these kids, even though he was wrongfully murdered by their parents and he never actually touched them. You still could have made a monster out of him, but this movie loses its balls and is like, oh yeah, people are going to be mad. So I don't know. Fine. Yeah. Just have them be Freddie. And it's, it's disjointed. It feels like it was made in the editing room. Um, but I'm just still fascinated by it. And I've made too many people watch it. And then the Halloween remake, Rob Zombie's Halloween. How many times have you seen that movie? I've seen Rob Zombie's Halloween four times, I wow, think. But I don't remember it. Wow. Um, why would you have watched this movie four times? It's, when we rewatch Halloween, it usually gets oh. put in like as a... I don't know why we're completists sometimes, but like uh, you have to watch it to complete. I don't want to tell you how to live your life, but you are living your life wrong. Well, I don't, I don't look, I saw it in the theater. I think I saw it again. And then I believe I've watched it twice with whole Halloween rewatches. I don't think that I'm, I don't think I ever need to see it again. Yeah. It's a better movie than Nightmare. Um, And it's again, it's another one where you're watching, you're like, I can see what you're doing if you had a little more restraint or if you if you trusted yourself a little more Rob Zombie you you could have done something you you could have made a good movie out of or a watchable movie out of this or a movie that doesn't make me want to like mute it and and rip my eyeballs out um it's it's you can't say he didn't try with Halloween um but man yeah I'm I'm good I don't need to see this one ever again it's not it's not good no no, it's but not. like I don't know. It's it's I would I definitely think the second one is worse. The second one is worse. The second one goes to me the Nightmare on Elm Street remake territory problem, where yeah. the second one could have been brilliant if it ha- could have committed to I think what it was supposed to do. I think that second one is supposed to be there is no Michael Myers and Laurie Strode has gone crazy and is killing all of her friends. Mm -hmm. And damn, what a great ending that would have been. But it doesn't do that. And therefore it just doesn't make any sense. So you're like, what this, this movie keeps going. And I, I, I'm confused. It it is not good. It's less watchable too, which is saying something because the first one's not very watchable. Uh, Yeah. It is a feat of strength in that regard. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about some more positive things. What's some good well, stuff that you've watched? I did watch a remake. I was looking. My uh, letterbox just reset, which is just fantastic. So I'll get that all together while I tell you that I watched the House of Wax, Wax remake again. Nice. We're going to do that. Brandon's never seen it, and I have only seen it once. And I'm like, I think it's really good. Is it really good? So really good is big. Um, fair it's really good for a horror remake made in early 2000s is that better it's it's really interesting Mm. um it's it's really weird yeah um it's i don't know it's got a lot of good set pieces it's it's actually really impressive the set is really impressive and it's filmed well in my opinion um i think the story itself is a little hmm, like it could have done so much more in it yeah it spends time on the wrong things in my opinion but Mm. it's also what is it 2005 yeah that's what you were getting (laughs) yeah and that's what what it was but it's it's it does things that i like too and um i don't know it's directed I, I, I like by it. my favorite of the, um, the the class of horror remake directors. It's directed by the Orphan guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I don't I don't dislike it in any in any way. It's it's higher tier for that 
era. Because yeah. I feel like this, you know, this is a questionable time period for like like movie theater theater release horror. Yeah. Oh yes. <laughs> well, and that's that's why I had wanted to do those two movies. Because I'm like, you know, we're far enough away from them now that I feel like we can look back at them with fresher eyes and be like, were they as bad as we thought they were? Was this some movement, right? Was this this trend? You had torture porn, which you and I have talked a lot about, and there's some good stuff there, and then there's some horrific stuff there. And this was like a, really the next wave almost. Because after that, you had like, okay, now, and I guess Texas Chainsaw Massacre probably kicked it off with, hey, if we cast hot young actors in these properties that we already own we can make a lot of money for very little money that we have to put into it. Um, And this happened for a while. And some of them, there's a lot of different reasons, I think, why some work and some don't. And a lot of times it was a director. A lot of times it was how much involvement the studio had or how much they cared. Uh, And House of Wax was was a studio one completely. I mean, Paris Hilton is in that movie because somebody said, hey, she'll do it and that will get people to the theater. And, I mean, I remember reading so much about that when it happened, because, of course, everybody was mad. It's like, no, 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 the whole point, and she knew this, and say a lot about Paris Hilton, but she has always been self-aware when it came to herself as an actress, which is just like, people are going to come to see me die. So I'm mm-hmm. going to do this movie, and it's going to make money, and, and it will make me happy and them happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, and yeah, that's it's what it does. Yeah. Look. Um, but I'm uh, curious to hear your thoughts when you watch it. Yeah, I will probably be able to tell you that next time. So, woo-hoo. yeah. All right. Uh, so another two other rewatches that I did of movies we've we've seen. Uh, one you and I covered some time ago, which was Neil Jordan's Byzantium. Oh gosh, I like that movie it's a lot. It's so good. Uh, Brandon had not seen it, and I kept thinking, like, I've been thinking for like a year or two. I'm like, I'd really like to rewatch that movie. And it's just really good. It's not talked about enough. It's not streaming anywhere. That might be why. Mm -hmm. I feel like this one just needs to hit Hulu so everybody can be like, hey, did you hear about this movie from a couple years ago? It's really good. Uh, Because it is. It's it's Saoirse and uh, Gemma Archerton, right? Yep, yep, yep. Two fantastic actresses. And still relevant. So I think this is one that people... I uh, is is ripe for the rediscovering. Yeah. And you got Caleb Landry Jones in there. <gasps> oh yeah, I forgot. Mm-hmm. And he's uh, so good. And he it I think watching it like I think what really got me this time watching it was how well it does their relationship, the uh, him and Cersei Ronan where you have like teenage love in a movie, especially like a, a horror genre movie is not easy to to do because you you never have enough time for it. Or you spend time and they just, characters seem too young and don't, you know. But in this case, it's like, well, she's a vampire and he's dying. So there's this weight to it where within two scenes, I am just, like, wishing them to be happy so hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a good one. If um, people out there, if you have not seen it, it's really good. Seek it out. Find it. Tell the world. Um my other rewatch, uh, which was just exciting, and I know you'll enjoy it, because there is a, you know, new TV show airing now on USA and Sci-Fi. Oh, chunky. Uh-huh. I'm like, well, you know, I mean, obviously I've seen all of them. Um, but actually what, ha- what started it was a few uh, weeks to a- months ago, uh, my teenage niece came and hung out with us and stayed with us um, for a weekend and one of the things we did was watch movies. And I'm like, okay, let's let's watch some. She's like, yeah, I'm like, 
and she's kind of the way my husband was when he was that age where he kind of like was not a horror kid and then as a teenager was like no I'm gonna try this now so we were like okay what should we watch and I'm like you've probably never seen the original Child's Play and she hadn't so we got to watch Child's Play and then after that I'm like well I have to watch all of the rest of them well hold no 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 don't bury the lead here what did yeah. she think oh she enjoyed it oh good yeah like she, like she she was into it she was like at the end at the end she's like that was actually good I'm like yeah she's like I just she, I guess because and you think of like teenagers yep. today know Chucky but they never probably really experienced actual scary Chucky. Yep. And he's scary it's in the, the first film. It's the same with Nightmare on Elm Street. I mm. if, up until kind of recently, every time I rewatched Nightmare on Elm Street, I was re-surprised that it was good. Mm. Yeah. Like uh, just because I was just because you, you not that I mean I love New Nightmare, but not that New Nightmare or even really any of them are air quotes bad but like that's the third time i've done air quotes so i have to stop <laughs> i'm not that they're, they're bad but like you forget like how hard yeah. the like they can go and you're completely right about child's play it's a it's a, it's a horror movie. movie yeah it's a scary movie about a homicidal maniac trying to kill a child and that's mm-hmm. scary uh it was fun to watch all of them pretty close together um my opinions mostly didn't change. I still think three is probably the the least rewatchable, but it's not bad. It's just the least interesting of all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I, I was pleasantly surprised by how much I enjoyed Curse of Chucky, which was the after seed. That's the one that Don Mancini comes back to do a more That's, horror version of. Is that the one where there's like a, a like a window that shatters down? Um, or no, you might be thinking of Cult of Chucky is when they're in the, thinking, the asylum, I'm and there's of yeah, you're thinking of Cult. So Cult, because Cult is weirder. Cult is funnier. Cult is still a horror movie, but it's it's a little bit more winky. Whereas Curse, which is the first Fiona Dorif one, I was gonna say is Curse the Fiona one. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, she's in both reason, of them. But yeah, that's the that's the one where she shows up. I for some reason Zach talks about that one a lot too. I have complete erasure of that one. I have no idea. I did it for a while because I only watched it once. I think I watched it when it first came out or when we first got the DVD and then just had never gone back and rewatched it. And that one wasn't never airs on TV, whereas some of the other ones do. Um, but it's it's good. It's And it's, what's, I mean, great to watch all of them close together is just to see it's a franchise that um, has a complete consistency, right? And it is telling a continuous story and, you know, it is not retconning anything, um, but that within this franchise, you know a Chucky movie, and yet you can totally go complete 180s through seven films. Yep. That you have pure camp with Seed of Chucky, which is still my favorite, that you have fr- from Seed to go back to, here's a fairly straight horror film that we're taking this character that we've kind of made a fool of, but now we're making him scary again, and I think it does it, and <laughs> that's really cool. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. Um, I we rewatched them semi recently, and probably I mean five within the last five years, which is not recently enough. <laughs> so, so maybe at some point they had that really nice, um, like Blu-ray box set. Oh, and that I, I kept yeah. seeing and didn't get, and now I kind of regret it. I wonder if it's well, it's confusing because I don't know they for a while it was like I had the four movie set, but it didn't have the first movie on it because that was a different production company 
that's part of how they were able to do a remake while a TV show was already in production. Because mm-hmm. there's some splits of, I guess, because ah, I wonder if Chucky might be owned by whatever um, entity Don Mancini is under, whereas Child's Play was probably owned by whatever company made the remake, because he's not called Chucky in that one. Um, so yeah, it, it got very confusing that way. Like, I have the, the DVD set I have um, for uh, two to four. It's the flip side of one movie's on one side, the other movie's on the other side. Oh, good times. Yeah, at, at yeah, some they, point in time I'll get, like, the real, you know, collector's edition in a good guy doll. That'd be nice. They have a seven, a seven, yeah, a seven movie set. Six movies. This says, this says all seven Chucky movies. Um, one, two, three, Bride, Seed, Curse, Cult. One, two, three, Bride, Curse, Seed, Cult. Oh, yeah. I, I'm not counting anymore. It's Friday. Well, I'm going to tell you, <laughs> I confirmed. I counted for it for us both. Then, then it is six. Right? No, they, no. Three, four, <laughs> five, six, seven. You're right. You're right. Okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah. No, I got. I got it now. I got it. Do I was. I was forgetting. <laughs> I was forgetting that one. you can. When you add one to four, you get five, and then you add two more. Now I got it. Yeah. Yeah. We're good. We're good. Yeah. So that that exists. It still seems relatively easy to find, and it okay. doesn't seem too expensive. Nice. So maybe I should just get that. Well, the t- the TV series has started. I watched the first episode. I enjoyed the hell of it. So have not watched it. Um, again, I will explain where all my time's gone. But uh, very look much looking forward to it. I loved the new movie, the Aubrey Plaza movie, as I've said multiple times. Um, I so- and I had very strong feelings about not wanting to give it my money, and I still do, will not give it my money. But I did think it was pretty good. Yeah, I I I, I just think I enjoy that. I don't know. I enjoy the character, I guess. Yeah. And I think it's got, you can do a lot with it. Oh yeah. It's, it's for, can, I don't know, considering it's, it's longevity and, and how malleable it, it is. Like it can be serious. It can be campy. It can be everything. Why aren't there more like killer doll stories? I, I, hey, look who you're talking to. I know. <laughs> I could, I could write a dissertation Sorry. on this. So yeah. I thought maybe you'd have the answer. I, I, you know, they, because there's an amazing amount of people out there who say dolls aren't scary. They're little. Yeah, but I then this is them. one of the most persisting franchises. Girl, I had a nightmare about Chucky the other night. Not kidding. Whoa. Not kidding. In my dream, um, I had captured him and I had some spell on him where I could keep him locked in a room um, forever. But I couldn't kill him, but he was, like, stuck in the room. And it was one of these, like, weird Hannibal Lecter things where, like, then we were talking because it was like, well, you can't kill me. I can't kill you. So, all right, whatever. Um, And then something else went wrong outside of the room. Like, there was some monster or something. And I'm like, oh, shit. The only thing that can kill this thing is Chucky. Do I let him out? But if I let him out, he's going to kill all these other people. Real real big conundrum of that dream. Emily, that is an amazing is story. It? Right? I don't even know how it ended. I woke up. I don't know. I don't know. Is he still in that room or is he after me? I'll find out tonight it, when I go to sleep. It has elements of my favorite Twilight Zone, which is the Howling Man, oh, which is where yeah. the devil is locked up. Uh-huh. And then he convinces, you know, uh-huh. the guy to let him go. So, like, you could even do it where you had Chucky, like, or the doll, like, hit, like, in a room and, like, he's talking to somebody begging to be let out and they don't yeah. know it's a murderous doll. Yeah. And then, they, oh my God, the, the implications. Yeah. It's going to be a good night tonight when I go to sleep. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I love it. All right. Give me some of the ones you've watched. 
Um, did you see the new escape room? No, tell me about the new escape room. It's fine. Okay. You and I were both huge fans of the first escape room. Yeah. I loved the first one. And this one is a direct sequel. Okay. Um, Same director and... too, right? Oh, that's I a big question. So. That I, can't I think it answer. is. It. Oh God, now my phone doesn't want to work. It It's not bad at all. Okay. Um, it's not bad. I think I gave it three out of five stars, but you know my ratings are meaningless. Um, <laughs> yes, it's Adam it, Robitelle again. Okay. It, it, um, so like, if I don't know, you know, it's easy for me to say like, boy, reshoots, am I right? Mm. I don't know for sure if that's what happened, but there were aspects of the opening that felt completely tacked on. Mm. Like, like we started somewhere Did- and they had to... Because you you watched it on demand or rental, did it, was this like the extended version? That's a really good question. I'm not sure. Yeah, because I remember hearing that the one that was going to stream was the quote-unquote extended version, which on one hand is cool because it meant, oh, if you saw it in the theater, you get something else out of renting it again. But on the other hand means, oh, did they do the non-director's cut, director's cut type thing? Yeah, so I, I'm not going to spoil it, also because I don't remember a lot of it. But um, so the first one ends with you have two surviving characters, and they're like, mm-hmm. we're going to go find this entity. And this is that's where this one picks up. Um, it does... It uses the same formula. It tries to keep things fresh. It does like a big dipsy doodle that I guess was fine. I don't know. It, it, it that first one was like lightning in a bottle yeah, in a lot of so ways. Good. I think. I don't know how easy it's going to be to replicate. Yeah. Okay. Well, and you and I have both seen a lot of cheaply like asylumish yeah. versions of Escape Room. There are so well, many like Escape it. Room horror movies out there. It's a. It's to me. It was the genre. It was a genre waiting to be birthed, totally. and I was like, like obviously, come yeah. on. But move away, one, internet horror. We've got Escape Rooms now. So if you like that that premise of like and like murderous Escape Rooms, this has got the budget. Okay. There, there's an opening. The opening Escape Room is like really good all right it's, i'm into it there's some cool setups and some cool stuff but like mm. okay well i will um, not pay money for it but when it's streaming i will watch it um i have another one it's on amazon prime with that which i accidentally got back because i tried i had to order something from amazon and i thought i thought i could get i don't know it was me trying to get free shipping on i got back into a corner oh. but it's okay. <laughs> so it's I, okay so i decided to watch things um, and I watched a movie um, called Black as Night on oh, Amazon. This sounds familiar. Um, a teenage girl with self-esteem issues finds confidence in the most unlikely oh, okay. way. Okay, yeah, I've I've heard heard a review of this. What did you think of it? I I loathed it. Really? Um, That's a shame. It's, it's yeah, this is the vampire one. Okay, yeah, I heard a review that was not overly um, excited by it either. So I I murder this this name every time I try to say it, but Vampires versus the Bronx. Mm-hmm. It, I don't it, that movie um is the best movie. It's such a good movie, and this is like the 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 a real bad version of mm. that same story. Um, and I don't know that it's the direction's fault. I think it's a really not great story and it's very wishy-washy and i don't know i don't i didn't like it at all i don't feel like there's much here yeah, I guess. It's, it's, it's a shame 
um, I don't know. It does. It has tonal issues. It doesn't know if it's serious or or a, like a YA story. I wish it had just been a YA story about a a, a, a teenage girl fighting vampires. I mean, yeah. I know that's Buffy, but, but uh, hey. <laughs> Like, we're allowed to have other versions. We've had 50 escape room horror movies in the last three years. We can have another teen vampire movie. It's a bummer. Um, There's also on Amazon that Bingo Night. Oh, okay. Tell me what you thought of this one. I'm excited for it because I like the director. I haven't watched it yet. Okay. But I made a bad choice that night when I picked (laughs) (laughs) I get it. Um, I would like to watch it again, uh, or I'd like to get onto Amazon Prime and watch it. I don't know why I stated that like it's a feat of strength. (laughs) But I did watch a movie, and I wanted to talk to you about it because I think you saw it. Mm -hmm. It's on Netflix. It's that hashtag alive zombie movie. Yeah. Yes, I did. Boy, that was delightful. It's good. And it's one of those, like, made pre-pandemic, but boy, does it work (laughs) post-pandemic. I, it... It reminds it's movies like this that remind me how much I love the zombie genre. Yeah, there are so many bad examples of it, and it and it has been it has been things have been done to it for for, a, when, for a couple of years there, um, like really in the early two thousands. Once zombies made a comeback, it was the anybody can make a zombie film. So ninety percent of what you would find um, at like on DVD of oh here's a zombie movie I never heard of. For a good reason, because they were terrible. You can make them low budget and sell them anywhere, because any, everybody was buying zombie movies, and they were all bad. But the thing is, if you have an original idea or really good execution, there is nothing like a good zombie movie. I It's still, still like maybe one of my favorite genres, and every Same. time I'm surprised. Yeah. That I'm like, oh, I, I forgot how much I like zombie movies. Really do. And this one's a really good one, and it's on Netflix. So mm-hmm. It's a Korean film. Yeah. Uh, it's and there is a kind of a French equivalent version of it that it was not a remake, but just happens to have a lot in common with it. Um, I think that's on Amazon. Uh, the Night Eats the World, I think, hmm. which is a similar like zombies outside. Guy wakes up and is stuck in an apartment and has to figure out what to do. Oh, um, it's not as good. That. It's one of those like I wish I'd watched that one before Alive because Alive is so good that it makes that one not as good. But mm-hmm. if you want another taste of that, that's a, a version of it. Oh, cool. Yeah, I, I, I do, actually. I like I like zombie movies. I, I, I re-realize it probably every six months. I'm like, oh. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Um, I have a couple more. Do you have anything that you want to interject into um, this? I'll throw one more zombie movie at that, because there's one that I watched. I guess the only one on my list, um, which is also on Amazon Prime, Inmate Zero. It uh, has another title. I think it's like Patience of a Saint or something. The mm-hmm. title on Amazon is Inmate Zero. It's a great concept. It's zombies in prison. It's they're on a remote prison in England and there's a zombie virus. So and it's a women's prison, but then there's some men there too. And so it's a zombie outbreak in a women's prison. Really cool idea. It's, it's not a terrible movie. Um, it's not great. Yeah. So it's one, if you're just like looking around, like you want a zombie movie that's really violent, that does some new things. This one does it because it's a, it's a good setting. It's got good ideas. It's not executed that well, but I've seen much worse. That's not a terrible review of something. <laughs> exactly. Well, not, again, you and I who have been around this rodeo many a time, like yeah. we know a, it's okay for a zombie movie can mean like, oh no, it's Citizen Kane. Yeah, it's true. It really the the, the quality can can vary wildly. Yes. yes. Um, 
I watched a movie that I that I don't think you saw. Um, it's from this year, and it's called Demonic. <laughs> no, I've heard a lot of people talk about it. Um, and it's one of those movies that I saw the title, I'm like, I think I've seen that. Because it sounds nope. like 35 <laughs> movies I've seen, but I don't think I have. Tell me about Demonic. Yeah, um, it's tough. I, I think I think we talked about it before, but like moratorium on Spiral, Demonic, yeah. I don't know, other generic names for things. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Neil Blomkamp's. I was oh, just going to say, air yeah. quotes, horror movie. Let's <laughs> just lean into it. Air quotes, horror movie. Air quotes, um, the podcast. It's like the cell but also like do you know, remember that movie serenity that matthew mcconaughey <gasps> yes but like it's like it's like the cell meets serenity by way of i don't know something terrible it's just <laughs> unlike serenity i so it doesn't seem like people this has been well received no um but i hated it Ooh. it was it was it made me like very angry it was clunky it was boring it was over serious it was confusing um it had no emotional core Mm. it just kind of did stuff nothing mattered everything mattered nobody was likable um it's it's um i'm gonna you're gonna go into your mom's consciousness because she's um, she's in a coma you're going to go in there and, oh, wait, there's a demon in there. That's not spoilers. That's, like, literally the movie. Um, and then it's just like, uh, okay. But, like, it's 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 so boring and clunky and mm. amateurish. What is this man doing? Man, like, one of perhaps, and, I mean, there's a few other examples of this, of a director that just, like, laid it all on the table in his first film where everybody was like, wow, this person is going to change cinema. And then just fell off a cliff. Because <laughs> has yeah. he made anything of note after District 9? Which, District 13? District 9. District 9. District 13 no, is right. The Hunger Games. I always do that. Um, like District 9 is a great movie. It holds up. It's innovative. Um, if I watched that movie today and was told, this is that for, for director's first film, I'd be like, whoa, what else has he made since then? And then your answer was, chappy. Um, then that would be very upsetting. <laughs> Yeah. The the effects were really bad too, Weird. which like it's fine. I think both of us can hang with not amazing visuals. Like if that's what you've got to do to get We've through watched a movie. lot of Canadian escape room movies. Yes, yes we can. But but this but there's a I don't and and look, I get I get it. You go into things with expectations, expectations fall flat and it, it makes you judge a movie a certain way. But I didn't even go out in this with expectations. Mm. I just thought like, yeah, this dude makes visual feasts and then it looked bad. Like what? So I I'm, I hate to be so harsh. I really don't like to be so harsh about things. But this is maybe one of the worst movies I've seen in recent wow. memory. Oh man! Now you're making me want to see it because I feel you like you should experience. honestly. Damn. If, it, if, if you if it streams or if you get the opportunity to okay. like just pop it on, I I would watch it because it's it is fascinating. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, there's and there's like three cool visuals in it. There's like I can think of them right now. There are three cool visuals, but they're meaningless in this sea of crap. Yeah, it always makes me think of the opening of the happening, right? When it's like this yeah. great scene of people jumping off a building, and it's shot really well and interestingly. Um, and the movie again goes downhill very quickly. But then you like go back in context to that shot. You're like, 
this makes no sense in the in like in what I'm watching, and this does nothing for anything. And then you just get angry. But yeah, it, it, ugh, it's a shame, you know. Yeah. Like, but I I think this might be. Maybe he'll regroup and do something he, else. We keep saying that for him. <laughs> it gets to not keep happening. Eh, bummer. I have a couple other things. All right, keep going. I got some more, uh, too. Keep going. I have um, a movie from 2016 that I had to look up all the details on just now because I already forgot it. It's um, called Dead Awake. Oh, Dead Awake. Yeah. So it stars Jocelyn Donahue. Oh, who um, I like a lot. Who, who I always feel like should have been bigger. Um, Jocelyn she, Donahue was uh, House of the Devil. House of the Insidious Devil. Insidious 2. Um, yeah, why isn't she more famous, though? She was doing commercials. Oh, my God. She was doing, like, a, like an Affleck commercial or something recently, and it was very upsetting to me. She was in Doctor Sleep. Oh, she, she was, still hasn't seen She was Abra's mom in Doctor okay. Sleep, I, I hope. All right, maybe so maybe I'm she's in the lying. Flanagan camp. I would love that for her. Yeah. I think she's tremendous. So in this, she plays twin sisters, and she really does a good Fun. job. Like, you do feel like it's two separate characters. <gasps> Lori Petty easy. is in this movie, I see. Criminally underused. Oh, oh and Brea Grant. Yup. Criminally. Do you see why I watched I it? I feel like this is not, you're not going to tell me to watch this movie. Um... So my review for it was a two-star review, mm. which seems to be the average on the old letterbox. Um... It's about sleep paralysis okay. and, and like, demons. <laughs> um, uh, okay. No, I mean, yeah. if you want, if you've got to watch it. So Jesse Bradford's in it, and I tried so hard to explain to Zach who Jesse Bradford is. He's like, who is this guy? Why do I know him? And I was like, well, he's... He's uh, Eliza Dushku's brother. And, he's bring it uh, on, yeah. Bring it on, and he dates Torrance, and and he's just staring at me, and he look, and he picks up his phone for fourteen seconds. He's like, oh, he's swim fan. Why didn't you just say he's swim? Fan? <laughs> I forgot he was swim fan. See, this like, actually look. explains why, because um, I would have said, oh, he's the guy I thought was Nicholas Brendan's twin brother. Because I think he looks a lot like Nicholas Brendan, or he did at the time of Bring It On, and Bring It On has a whole bunch of actors who were on Buffy, so I was like, oh, that's cute, that in in addition to Faith and (laughs) Glory, like, they also brought on Nicholas Brendan's twin brother to be in this movie, and then eventually realized, oh no, he's not related to Nicholas Brendan at all, Um, but Nicholas Brendan, as Xander, in season two of Buffy, is a swimmer. So it makes sense to why swim fan that just further confused the connection I had in my mind on that. Holy mackerel. Right. Well, in this, in this movie, he's doing his best Justin Thoreau impression. Yeah. Yeah. I I see, I see that path for him. And I was like, look, I'm not mad at it. It's kind of hot, but it's weird that this was the choice. (laughs) It was a weird choice. Mm. It wasn't, it was more forgettable than anything else. It didn't do anything interesting or remarkable or like, and that's a shame because the cast is a good cast. Yeah. Um, this director's next film after Dead Awake is called Sleep No More, and it's also about sleep deprivation. So he's I mean, got an interest. Look. Yeah, yeah, and I lo- I think sleep paralysis is because I've I've struggled with varying degrees of it. It's terrifying and really upsetting. And this, I don't know. I I think it's a hard thing to film. Yeah, because as you say that, I I do not have deal with that. Um, and in concept, it should be terrifying. But I have never been interested by any film that has tried to tackle it. <laughs> so. Yeah, there was there was that like I don't know oh, if I want to call I, it a doc. 
I know the one you, you mean. The Nightmare, you know what Nightmare or something? Yeah, the one, I think it's the people that did Room 227. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. And I was like, I mean, I guess this is the closest I've ever seen anybody get to, like, kind of describing all this. But, like, it is, it, how do you how do you yeah. visualize what it, like, feeling trapped in your own body? Hill House like, did it, I think, a little better. Um, and part of that might have just been their performance. <laughs> Right, because in Hill House, remember, Victoria Andretti has it. I don't even want to talk about yeah, that. Yeah, it's right upsetting now. because you also just, it, it's the best episode of that of, the, of that um, season. And I think it that, to me, was the one that I was like, okay, I get it, too. I think the other part I get, too, because in, in Hill House, it is also seen from the point of view of her partner. And that's the position I'm often in because I sleep fine, but my husband doesn't always. Mm -hmm. And so the scarier part sometimes is trying to help someone and not being able to. So I think that might be why it worked for me better. Yeah, I completely blocked that out. Thank you for bringing it up. (laughs) Nightmares. You gave me Chucky. I gave you Hill House. You know that episode is too much for me. Um, I have like two or three more here. Do you want to hit me with something? Uh, Sure. I got got a a bunch more. Um, let's go with some... Uh, okay, here's one. I don't think you've seen it, because I feel like we would have talked about it. I had seen it on a list of like some of the best like slow burn horror films of recent years. Swallow? No, I still haven't watched it, because I'm scared oh, of it. So, I'm scared uh, that it's a body horror. It's not really. So Swallow, it's... um I forget the director. It's a fairly young new director. About a young woman who deal, and I forget the name of it, they, they say the name of the condition, but the condition is basically putting things in your mouth and swallowing them that you shouldn't, like batteries and pins and thumbtacks. Um, I, my expectations might have been really high for this one, and I sit down and watch it, and I'm like, this, this is a case where, like, oh, this isn't the movie I thought I was going to get. Um, and it's this young woman, actress is great. Um, it, it reveals what it's about, about halfway through. And it was one of those like, oh, that's the story we're telling. Okay. That's not what I thought. And I think the thing that kind of bugged me about it, or the the thing I, I had a hard time getting into this was, look, you take a, um, a interesting young actress who's very pretty, uh, and you're saying, okay, here's our star. And she is playing a woman who's recently married, this very wealthy young businessman who's going to inherit a company and oh my god now she's a housewife and she doesn't know what to do with herself there's something weird about telling that story in 2021 um it felt like if i had watched this movie 20 years ago um with this same telling it would have been something Uh uh-huh but it's i don't know read a book like this this sounds really dismissive and i don't mean it to but i don't know that the um bored wealthy housewife is going to connect with me as a viewer today when you're not necessarily when it takes a long time to bring anything else into it um and i mean like her husband's a dick his family are are terrible that's all there it all comes out but it's just the whole time you're like but how did you not i don't know it just it it asks you it makes her such a blank slate from the beginning that it's really hard to put yourself in her shoes or to really find her interesting because it just seems like a concept of a person and not a decision that this woman would have made. So Mm. I don't know. It might've just been me. It might've caught me on the wrong day where I was just not there for that person's story. But that was my fundamental issue with it was this just doesn't seem like the story 
like you've just made wrong decisions or odd decisions from the start of your basis and now I'm I'm not with you on this journey so I don't know I want to hear your take on it because I know I feel like most um it's it's very well received and I don't know if it was just me um but it just seemed I don't know like you could have told a more interesting version of this story uh without it being a cliche of a character that doesn't nobody wants to watch a story of anymore I don't know I have trouble with certain things and eating things is a thing I have trouble with yeah so I have avoided it in a know thyself kind of way um this is a this is a silly question maybe but is there a lot of eating things in this honestly not really there's some um there's a fair amount in the beginning because that's what's kind of establishing what the issue is um, but then it becomes less about that than this woman who is essentially being uh, held emotional prisoner by her wealthy in-laws, which, mm-hmm. I don't know, I, it's hard to muster that much sympathy for somebody like that in this day and age. Interesting. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll give it a shot. Give it a shot. Yeah, I don't think it's as disturbing as I thought it would be either. So, okay. Yeah. Um, okay, another one that involves um, stuff in your mouth. Uh, <sighs> here's one on Netflix, Death of Me. This is Darren Lynn Bowsman of Saw 2 and uh, Repo oh. and many a thing. If you're listening to this show, you know who Darren, you know Darren, Darren Lynn Bowsman is. <laughs> and you know that um, my, my thought on Darren Lynn Bowsman is like, did, did he peak with Repo? <laughs> um, he just, I, 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 I like that he's staying in horror. Um, I like that he seems to have interesting, he wants to tell different stories and visually different things. And in concept, this is a good story. A hot couple. It's uh, Luke Hemsworth and Maggie Q. They're in Thailand. Uh, They wake up one morning and they don't remember the night before. They drank a lot. Uh, They find video of the night before and they went to a bar. They drank like a mystery liquid. got really drunk. Had sex. He killed her. He, He chokes her and buries her. And then, but like, obviously he didn't because they're both there and they're alive. And oh my God, what happened? Great, great starting point. That like, oh, that's amazing. cool. Um, then this movie just becomes the Wicker Man. And I don't mean like, oh, it just sort of, you know, turns into this. Like, no, 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 no. It turns into the Wicker Man to the point that he, Luke Hemsworth at one point says, well, what'd that guy in the Wicker Man do? He didn't have a cell phone. Like, that is actually a line of dialogue in this movie. Like, they, they get to the point where they're like, fuck it. We know you're, we know you're thinking the Wicker Man, so we're just going to say, yeah, it's the Wicker Man. You are making a really good case for this movie. No, no, I'm not. I, I, I am, I am not, I'm not dissuaded. No, this not sounds bad. amazing. No. So here's the thing. There's two things that really are, like, on one hand, this is more interesting than a lot of other straight-to-streaming horror films out there. Because, hey, it's a good cast. Alex Esso shows up, and she's always great. Um, it's in Thailand, so it's really pretty and gorgeous to look at. But I think it's also really racist. Ooh, it really? does that thing where it's like the camera is just sort of going over people's faces and they're smiling, and it, it feels like it's trying to make that scary when you're like, am I supposed to be scared of this guy because he's Thai and I, and I don't understand what he's saying because it doesn't subtitle any of the Thai dialogue, which is a choice and I get it and that's fine. But it does it in a way where it's like, Ooh, exotic and scary. And you're like, no, it's just Thai. And I feel like you're trying to make me scared of this because it's exotic, not because of the situation. Um, Overall, I really didn't like this. 
I thought it, it and again, it's a shame because there's good ideas here. Um, there's good materials here. I don't think he even does anything good with Thailand. Because uh, I kept thinking, watching this movie, I kept thinking of Vinyan, which is another um, horror film from about 10 years ago uh, that's set in, I think it might actually be Burma or Thailand, I can't remember. But it is, you know, Southeast Asia, and it uses that location to such great effect. Mm-hmm. And in this movie, it's like, they're on a beach, that's really pretty. There's nothing scary about that. He's not doing, his camera isn't doing anything with this setting to make anything pop. Like, it's a muddy movie. I don't know. It's really not good. Um, but it's made with skill and with professionalism. So it seems better than other things. But I was wildly kind of angry at what it could have been. Have you seen uh, the Darren Lynn Bowsman vehicle abattoir? I have. Yeah. that Is been... it better than <sighs> abattoir? I, I feel like it's similar in that it's trying to do something kind of unique and stylish, but it does not have the chops to do it. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, I don't no, watch I'll it. I'm cur- I want you to watch it now because now you seem curious. I want to no, see. Like, maybe you'll get something out of it. I did. I didn't. I sincerely thought Also on Netflix, uh, Blood Red Sky. Oh, I did. I, we talk about that? We might have. It might have been before I watched it. This was good. You, you, you liked it? Yeah, it yeah. was good. Yeah. Vampires on a plane. Good concept. Execute yeah, it well. Great. All right. Um, a few that I know you watched, uh, I think, on Shudder. Uh, one that I loved, that you loved too, and that was Slacks. <gasps> I, I think about that movie once a week at least. Yeah. It's really good. Now, talk about a movie that understands exactly what it needs to do and what it shouldn't mm-hmm. do, right? It's really short. It gets it doesn't waste a single minute of screen time because it knows i'm a movie about killer pants i don't i am not gonna really make this scary i'm my concept is funny but not if i overdo it uh and i have a little thing that i need to say that i'm gonna say really effectively without having to say much about it like which is, yeah, the fashion industry is, is terrible and we waste things and a whole lot of other stuff um, and also killer pants. So I loved it. Yeah, it's really effective and it truly, like, anything can be good. Never dismiss oh, something it's... just because of the premise of it. No, no. Anything can be executed well. Clue it... the movie. They made a movie based on the board game Clue. Nobody in the world thought that was a good idea. One of the best comedies of all time. So it's... never, never piss on a movie because of its concept. Yeah, it's and, and it's just, yeah, it's absurd and great it knows it's absurd mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a, it's really wonderful i want to i want to rewatch it but like rewatches have been tough these days I because gotta... i feel like i'm very behind on things it's okay I, you, there's no race you know you're just you're racing with yourself it's okay I'm, i was just gonna say i'm racing against myself yeah. i think you watched this one also on shutter superhost yeah the airbnb <laughs> one the two influencers no. who okay it's it's I, good I, Look, I'll do you one better. I watched the trailer for it. <laughs> um, I haven't watched a trailer for it. You might have seen the movie by watching the trailer. I don't know. Um, I think the problem I went into this one thinking it was going to be um, more surprising than it was when it's like, oh, no, within the first five minutes, you know it's going down. And for some reason, I thought it was going to be odder than that. Um, and it might have just been because I'd heard people say stuff. And I think in my mind, I was like, oh, it's got a weird twist. OK, it's like, oh, no, it's exactly what you called when you watched it. But it, it's done well. It's not um, outstanding. The acting is great. The the lead actress or the main 
actress is really giving a weird, cool, good performance that you would love. She seemed, in the trailer, um, she seemed like the reason to watch it. I would agree. Yeah. But then I was, I was not, as you can tell, I mean, I watched the trailer and didn't watch it. I really wasn't, like, impressed. It seemed... I don't know that I need a movie like that. Like, I, I, I just watched the trailer. I got it. It's fair, because honestly, I don't think it does anything surprising. But I will, how, how effectively does it use the, um, the Airbnb-style premise? Because I love a good rideshare movie. Then you, you might get something out of this, because it does that okay. really well. And the All actors, right. especially the guy who are playing, like, the influencers... Um, or the vloggers, whatever you call these kids today, I don't know. The tick, the talk tickers, you know those. The talk those, tickers. The talk yep. tickers. Um, they're really good, and they do like that great thing where they're you know doing their show, and then it cuts, and they're like, "Oh my god, did we, do we get it? We have to do it again." Like they're they know what they're doing, and that's very effective. So for that, I think you would get stuff out of this one. All right, well maybe then because I really like rideshare movies. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. Hey, what's the one that both of us Stuber? St- no, no, not spree? that one. Spree, 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 yeah. spree. Yeah, I like spree. Um. Okay, another one, sort of, kind of. Uh, I don't know. Falls into these lines. Also on Netflix, await further instructions. Oh, okay. So I, this I have I have scrolled by many times and never watched it. Um. So I liked it. I don't know that you. I don't know how you'd feel about it. It is another one of these movies, and I know I've said this many a time. That is a pre-pandemic movie. That if you watched it now, like, and I did, I watched it and I was like, are you fucking kidding me? And then I looked at the date. And I'm like, oh, this was 2018. This was not made during the pandemic. Because it feels like, here's the premise. Uh, guy and his girlfriend go to their, ter- to his terrible family for the holidays. Um, you know, mom's okay, but dad's racist and grandpa's more racist and sister's an influencer and all that. Um, and... The TV goes out and has a signal that basically says, you're in a lockdown, um, there is, there's a virus outside, you have been, the government is sealing your home, um, await further instructions. And it's very much this family of, we listen to the TV, no, we don't listen to the TV. At one point, it, it sends a vaccine down and says, Ooh. inject this into your body. <laughs> And it's, again, an argument of we're listening to the government um, or no, we're following science. And the girlfriend is of Indian descent, so there's racism there and all this. And it's, oh, it's your fault. And um, it's, again, it's one that you're like, oh, this was made before the pandemic. And it's kind of upsetting in that way because it mm-hmm. hits a lot of things that are a little too familiar, a little too close to home. It's British. Um, so I think there's a lot more going on that I don't necessarily pick up on. I think it's very much a Brexit movie and like other things like that, that just kind of fly over my dumb American head. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it is not great. Um, I don't think it really sticks the landing, but it is good sci-fi horror with a good idea. Um, it's decently acted, uh, it it does some cool things. It's pretty grimy and depressing. Like it's not if you're not in a place where like you want sort of pandemic-y horror right now, do not watch it. Um, but I did. I, I appreciated it. I think I think I can get into 
that right now. Um, I was afraid I would be disappointed by it because it is very much something I'm interested in. Yeah, it feels so. like an extended Twilight Zone episode, which to me oh, is well, fine. I like that. Yeah. Well, I like that too. Yeah. I think that's one of the complaints other people had about it. No. Um, but I, I yeah, give it a go then. I want to hear. Okay. Yeah. Uh, after that, I have older movies. Oh, I have another newer one I can talk Let's about. Let's hear it. Um, I watched VHS 94. Oh, okay. Um, I want to hear what you think. People seem to really like it. You know, you and I both have complicated relationships. I fucking hate the first one. I think it yeah. is a misogynist piece of trash. Yeah. I like some aspects of the second one, although I still don't understand why it's that hard to find a female to direct any segment of an anthology movie. Yep. Um, so tell me about this one. I don't, I guess I watched Viral, but I don't remember. Isn't Viral about it. the one we like? I don't remember. Maybe. The zombies, uh, bi- the zombie bite. I thought that was part two. Oh, I, I don't know. Zach's in the shower, so he usually helps me with this. I'm an old woman. <laughs> Somebody come help me with the VHS movie. I, I don't understand this technology. There's one that I really like, and it's it's that one. <laughs> I think you, I, the two is the one that has the... Uh, man, it's so hard. Cause all the, I don't remember these things. Okay, Viral has the magician. Um, I think you like two. Oh, okay. Well, I liked two then. Or at least that but, one segment of two. But I, li- I like at least two segments of two. I don't know. Maybe I don't like all of two. I would have to rewatch it. But I know that there's the one, and I'm so sorry, I can't think of his name, but the gentleman who directed Hobo with a Shotgun, his segment is really good in, in that one as well. Um, but you're you're not wrong. There's There's clearly an issue with all of those movies the abcs of deaths and the vhs's there's 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 things about abcs of death that make me so angry i could vibrate off of this abcs of death is like the worst petri dish of okay so let's again let's pick 26 horror directors and tell them you guys can do anything you just have to do it in three minutes here go hog wild and somehow um 20 out of the 26 are like horribly misogynist and about like nude women being like murdered viciously and it's just such a like oh okay this is one of those genres i'm supposed to defend and you've just kind of proven to me some really bad statistics right here yeah you know you need to tell a quick story so what's the most relatable easy idea to get across oh violence against women absolutely let's go and it's so true of anthologies overall like, if you were to do a giant compilation of anthologies, so many of the segments are like that. And it's very upsetting because it really does kind of prove that, like, oh, yeah, if you boil things down, this is what horror is to a lot of filmmakers. And that's and very it, upsetting. It's fucking frustrating because I will I will, I will, will go to my grave. Short form storytelling is an art form. Not everyone Completely. can do it. Yeah. And you just gave you just gave out tw- uh, twenty six assignments to people that don't know what you're asking for. Yeah, and like, like, look, I don't know the the real background of how these movies came together, but you had three VHS movies without a female director, and you had Roxanne Benjamin as a producer on all of them, or like on the first two. Like, you you can't tell me that you didn't have people on your staff or in your circle who directed who did not have penises you had you had that there and yet you you didn't think at any point to bring somebody that wasn't a horror bro in 
And so it just, it's always left a bad taste in my mouth. It's why anytime people get excited about the VHS movies, I'm like, uh-huh, I'm going to go over here so I don't go on a feminist rant about them. Um, <laughs> but tell well, me, was 94 any better? So I, I, I really need to rewatch two. I would say it's not, it's not as good as two, but maybe I just have stars in my eyes over the, that one because it was such an improvement over the yeah. first one. But this one is, I did like it. Um, the, the wraparound is Jennifer Reeder. And sorry if I'm spoiling that. I purposely didn't look at who directed what before I watched it because I wanted to see what I liked best mm-hmm. and if it, yeah, yeah. if it lined up the way I thought. But Jennifer Reeder um, did um, Knives and Skin, uh, oh, which is... That which is a very good movie that I was lucky enough to see before quarantine at a film festival. People say it has big David Lynch energy. And I mean, I guess it kind of does, but it's a, it's a very good, like girl in high school goes missing Mm -hmm, and it's weird movie. Like she's very good, I think. So I was super excited to see that she was attached to this. Um, And, and she, she fucking, she does it. It's good and oh. weird. Her wraparound is good and weird, and it's not about <laughs> raping a woman, a woman. Getting, <laughs> raping yeah. and murdering a woman. Like, Yay! And it, and there's um so there's one segment that I did not enjoy, and it was actually Simon Barrett's um segment. I don't think that I am a fan of his, which is fine. He doesn't care if Christine likes him or not. <laughs> He's I, got plenty of, of horror fans, so. I just, I was, I kind of was underwhelmed. I think he was yeah. going for something a little bit quieter and more atmospheric. It didn't really work for me. It felt kind of underbaked. Mm. But other than that, the wraparound was solid. And then the other three were solid. Nice. So, like, I don't like It's I, a recommend from you. And it wasn't, none of it was misogynistic. None of it was violent against women. None of it was just tits for the sake of tits, which are fine, but like there's time and a place. Not when you're not also giving me dicks for the sake of dicks. Thank you. And, but like, I definitely, I, it's, I feel safe. I told my mom to watch it Mm -hmm. and I would have never told my mom to watch the first one. Yeah. Yeah. I I get it. I don't think she would have liked that, but I, 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 there's, um, there's like a, uh, there's like a, we're putting body parts, we're, we're cutting people up and putting machines on them. Okay. Well, Tetsuo, um, yeah. That can be a little triggering to folks. Mm. But I I will say that I don't like that, but this didn't bother me. It wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't, it's always mean, but it wasn't, it wasn't mean or gross or painful. And like, I think the story went in, in, the, in a way that justified it, if that okay. makes any sense. Okay. Okay. I get it. Yeah. But I did like it. That's exciting. I, I'm going to watch it on your recommendation because I was mixed on whether I would. I wanted to hear more people whose opinions I align with more. Yeah. Um. I don't. I don't think you're gonna. It's gonna blow your fucking mind or anything. Right, right. But it's. It's not. I don't think you're gonna be left breathlessly offended by it. <laughs> I'm not gonna clutch my pearls. Excellent, because I keep breaking them. <laughs> All right. I have a few more. Do you have any more? Um. Well, you said you had some older stuff, right? I do. Yeah. Um, um, hit me with some older stuff. Okay, so the oldest of the older stuff. We somehow, I think we were like flipping around on HBO Max and saw that the 1960-something The Mummy with Christopher Lee and mm-hmm. Peter Cushing was on HBO Max and both of us had never seen it. So we're like, yeah, let's watch it. Um, You know what's a really boring movie? 
Oh, no. Yeah. It, yeah. Look, because part of him, I mean, Christopher Lee shows up. He's the mummy, so he doesn't really get to do anything but walk with his arms out. So it's like, you don't get his voice. You don't get him talking. Um, Peter Cushing. It, it, like, it's a movie that you watch and you're like, there's a lot of things that happened when they were making this movie, right? Like, Peter Cushing, like, is walking with a cane. You're like, did he twist his ankle, like, during filming and they just went with it? Um <laughs> It's like they throw in a sort of Bram Stoker's Dracula-esque, oh, your wife looks like the mummy's girlfriend at like the last minute. Um, There is a, this was clearly, um, this is like 90 minutes. Clearly they made the movie, we're like, oh shit, we're only at 70 minutes. What do we do? Let's have a 20 minute scene where we show the funeral rites, which is just different people marching with different things. So it's like, and the slaves carried gold. And the other slaves, 35 of them, here, one, two, three, four, five, carried the organs or whatever it is. Like, it just goes on. I fell asleep, and I haven't fallen asleep in a movie in a really long time, and it wasn't that late, so I can't even blame that. Um, oh, disappointing. Boy. Yeah. Uh, I mentioned Madhouse earlier. It's on Canopy, which, if you people have library cards, check if you have Canopy, because there's some ace stuff up there. Uh, have you seen Madhouse? No. You would... Well... Uh-oh. Yeah, I mean... It, this is one of those 70s Italian movies, I think it's like 82 or so, that starts and you're like, Ooh, oh yeah, this is everything. Um, there's a killer dog puppet. Um, there's a, this is very malignant. Like if, if I think malignant, if I had to pick the one movie that malignant reminded me most of, it's Madhouse. Because there's a character who has a sister in the beginning who's in a mental asylum because she has a skin condition and she has long dark hair and um, and she's killing or somebody is killing all of this other nice lady's friends and everybody around her. It it's wacky and then it just does make some weird choices where it like reveals its killer way too early and then just spends a half hour with the killer and you don't need that. Uh, mm. But it does have one of the worst dog puppet deaths I've ever seen in my life. So. Kind of recommend for that. Because oh, there's also okay. a dead cat, which is sad. Um, and as soon as I saw the cat, I went on Does the Dog Die? And I saw that the cat did. Um, but then you get to the dog puppet death, and it's like Triumph the Insult Comic Dog as a puppet. Um, which in itself was entertaining. But worth it for completists. Um, don't get your hopes up as you're watching it, because you will. Okay. All right. Good, good notes. Yes. And then I have, okay, I have four more. So first is my duo of um, Beverly Hills 90210 alumni in stalker films. Okay. Okay, the first one is on Tubi. It's called Falling for You. It stars Jenny Garth as the victim of a murderer played by Costas Mandalore, uh, who has a really specific target, which is that he he targets blonde successful women who live uh in high floors of apartment buildings oh so it seems kind of easy to be like oh i'm one i i should be careful of who i go out with because i'm blonde and i'm successful and i live in a high floor uh billy d williams is also there as a detective this movie is pure cheese it's like 1996 i think so it's very like lifetime but not lifetime but feels like lifetime which mm-hmm. is one of my favorite genres of movies. Uh, it's on Tubi. <laughs> you should all watch it. It is glorious. And then the other one, I had um, lo- been like waiting to watch it for years because Married with Clickers covered it years ago. And I'm like, one day I'm going to find this movie. And it was a Netflix long wait, but I did get it. And it is Impact Point, starring Brian Austin Green 
as a man who becomes obsessed with a beach volleyball player. Oh boy. Yeah. And that's, that's I, what the movie is. I thought is. you were going to, this is really funny. Cause you said 90210 and I was like, <laughs> Brian Austin Green was in the second laid to rest movie. And I knew you weren't going to say that you watched the second laid to rest movie, but it's really cool. You said Brian Austin Green. <laughs> Um, if you've ever wanted to watch Brian Austin Green have fully clothed sex that doesn't make sense, um, and then become obsessed with a beach volleyball player, uh, this is this is the movie for you. I don't think there's any other anything else like it. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh boy! Wow. Well, no, thank you oh, on that. Well, okay, but no, let me give you two more Tubi recommends. Um, Tubi, for you, those of you who don't know, is a streaming site that's free. There are ads, but it is worth it. Because there are two movies that are on Tubi, Christine, mm-hmm. that I am mad at people for not having told me to watch earlier. One of oh. them I'll actually forgive, because one of them is a movie I've been trying to watch forever, and it was never released anywhere, and that is Amityville Dollhouse. Oh, fun! I don't uh-huh. know that I knew that existed. It's great! There's an evil dollhouse, and you know what the first thing it does is? Um, I'm not sure. It causes the death of a little girl's bicycle. I I have to take your mm-hmm. word for that. And then there's a giant mouse puppet. Cool. Yeah. Um. There's like a few people in it that are went on to be somewhat famous. I can't remember who any of them are. Um. I think like the sister from that '70s show who died. I think she's in it. Oh, interesting. Yeah. What um, year is this from? Ninety or like '89. Oh. It's right right around that. It's it's before. It's about time. It's I think it's the one I... before that. I somehow thought this was older than that. No, this is very, very late 90s, early, or late 80s, early 90s. There's a, there's like an Oedipal thing going on where the stepmother becomes, like, starts having sex fantasies about her stepson, which is a thing. The Amity movies, a lot of them deal with incest. Yeah, that's, you're, you're right. Yeah. That is weird. Yeah, and this was one's this, wait, weird. This might, that, this might be too off topic. But I know a little bit about the actual Amityville stuff. There was no none of that. Um, to my knowledge, I don't I don't know because I'm going off of Amityville Possession Part Two is the the one that is the backstory, right? The one yeah. that's about the murder house and the murder that happens there. And in that movie, it's all out brother sister flowers in the atticing. Um, I don't think that was based on anything factual, but I, even yeah. as a Long Islander, I don't know enough about it to... to Interesting. Because yeah. I know there's that terrible book that's all a lie now that we right. all know, but like, I don't, I don't know. Ugh, yeah. I don't want to read that. Maybe I'll <laughs> Google it. All right. The last movie, um, I, again, this is the one that I am mad at everybody in the world who knew this was a movie and never told me about it. Okay. The year is 1993, I think. Okay. Uh, the the star is Drew Barrymore, uh, yeah. fresh off of Poison Ivy, pre The Wedding Singer. So it's like before mm-hmm. Drew Barrymore had her kind of like Hollywood cleanup, if you will. Her renaissance, yeah. Yeah, this is the Drew Barrymore not really knowing what to do as an actress, sort of being like, I guess I'm sexy. I guess I'll do sexy movies. And in this movie, um, she plays a like, you know, innocent girl who has a titular doppelganger. And that doppelganger is like a femme fatale who wears really, really red lipstick. And the opening scene of the movie, somebody, perhaps her doppelganger, murders her mother. So then Drew Barrymore moves to California, becomes roommates with the husband from Father of the Bride. Yep. um, Who's like a screenwriter. So he's involved in Hollywood stuff. And she's kind of weird. And very quickly, like, things start going strange. 
And suddenly he's realizing like she's got like a split personality or something. Um, there are people following them. There's like she goes to a party and dances really sexy, but then she doesn't remember dancing sexy. There's a man that um like grabs him and and gives him this very deep speech about how evil she is. I'm not doing it any justice because you're watching this and you're thinking you're getting a fairly straight lifetimey movie about obsession uh-huh. and about maybe some psychology stuff. Um, and along the way, you've got um, Sally Kellerman shows up as a former nun who is now a runs a sex phone business. You have sex, um, sex phone. Sex phone. That's what they call it, right? Yeah, sex phone. <laughs> you have oh, a baby, baby face. Danny Trejo shows up Ooh, in one fun. of his first roles. Uh, you, oh my God, there's more people in this movie. Um, but here's the thing: if you're not paying attention to the opening credits, you might miss that Greg Nicotero is credited as like special effects because you're watching Ooh. this entire movie and it's not a horror movie. You're not you're not getting anything. And then the last five minutes turns into the weirdest body horror um inner exoskeleton demon makeup thing it is so weird it's directed by the guy who directed that tales from the crypt ritual which i think you've watched with jennifer gray it's the voodoo oh, one yeah, that's yeah, really problematic yeah, yeah, yeah. in so many ways yeah, um yeah. yeah this is still problematic because it's very like it's drew barrymore is very young it feels the movie is very much sort of all over her uh, there's a whole like subthread where her psychiatrist was um, was abusing her, but the movie never calls it abuse. It's like, oh yeah, he was a murderer. It's like, no, 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 he was also having sex with his patient, which is abuse, and she's like, young. Mm-hmm. Like, so it's all these things. Like, it's very problematic, but it is so fucking weird. And I have never once heard anybody in my life talk about this movie. And it's like my new mission movie of you all have to fucking watch Doppelganger. I I I I'm. I'm so I'm really torn here. I'm kind of I'm kind of upset that you told me that it goes in that direction, but I'm also kind of glad because I I think you if wouldn't you watch didn't, it. I, yeah, that's yeah. my fear. Yeah, yeah, because I don't want to watch that a sexy lifetime movie. That's really <laughs> I don't, problematic. It's not yeah. really my thing. No, and I, like, and I know that, and that's why I didn't bury the lead. That's why I'm like, no, no, no I'm going to tell you about the crazy exoskeleton bodies. Um, I I will send you a picture that I've kept my desktop just because i feel like i'm gonna need it at some point in life um because it it just it it uh it it tells you a lot of what you need to know hang on let me see if i can send this over to you Uh uh-huh yeah if you look at the chat you're gonna see let me let me check out the chat it's a pretty just like that i want a t-shirt of that she's so young she's very young i think she's like 18 like she is just legal and that is upsetting because it the movie treats her as if She's, you know, like young and sexy, but it also does not really um, have any, I don't know, like it's definitely uncomfortable with how it's handling her. And there's a part of it where you're like, look, Drew Barrymore went into this movie probably wanting to do this. She, She did Poison Ivy because she felt like I was a child actor and they're not casting me. This is like what Daniel Harris did with Halloween. Daniel Harris Mm -hmm. said, I wanted to do a movie where I showed my boobs because I felt like I wasn't being seen as an adult. So I did Halloween and I was happy I did it. Like, and that's a little bit like, that might've been the case with Drew Barrymore. Um, But the movie just doesn't, it it treats her very much as the wafy, um, oh, she's sexy because she's innocent kind of thing, which is just like, this is very male gazy. But I mean, look at that picture. It's it's okay i'm okay so yeah i think that i will make an effort to okay watch it. i want to hear everything yes okay <laughs> all right I, 
I had two Halloween specials of note, but I want to hear uh, the rest of your movies first. Um, well, much like last year, we di- decided to do the Nightstream Film Festival, the virtual film Neat. fest. Um, but f- f- there weren't a lot of a lot of horror movies. What? I I would say. Like last year, there was there's there was a lot of genre movies. There was a there was some light sci-fi mm-hmm. okay. and some like absurd weirdness, but nothing super horror-y. But what? So that's why my list is kind of light. But mm-hmm. I have been watching movies at tw- two of them most days because I've been doing this. But also, they're not really applicable, so it's okay. weird. But I got to see, and I don't know if you've heard of it. It's been making the rounds. It's the uh, the the folk folk horror documentary. Oh, I have heard that there is a folk horror documentary. Tell me about it. Um, it's called Woodlands Dark and Days Bewitched. Ooh. Um, it is three hours Ooh. long. Okay. Um, I got time. A, it's but see, it's it's when you do a documentary about movies. I understand why it's that long, um, because you're you're trying to sh- you're trying to explain an entire genre to me. Because yeah, and I think th- as soon as you said that, I thought to myself, yes, because the movies, the documentaries about movies that I don't like, are movies that are like, hey, so then yeah, this is why I love Back to the Future. Show a yep. quick clip from Back to the Future. Moving on to the next movie that is not like. And it's very like I don't need to see, and that's why I I, I used to enjoy some of those like Talking Head VH1 shows, and I tried to watch one recently. I forget what it was, but it was one of those like I don't know, not the movies that made us, but it was something like that. Yeah. And I watched it for two minutes. I'm like, I don't need to watch a special where it's just famous people quoting a movie that I've watched or saying yes. like, hey, that was like doing the Chris Farley thing of yeah, that was really cool. Like I no 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 like bring some don't just tell me about movies like tell me about the movie so well yeah. I think the problem is a lot of those types of things are are like to maybe to either push your nostalgia button which we don't typically yeah. respond to or to be like oh there's this hey you never actually watched this now you want to watch it but there's not much that that falls in that category for us at this yeah. point yeah but. So let me tell tell let me tell you a little about a bit about this guy. Um, so this documentary is three hours long. You will walk away with a list of movies you want to nice. watch. It is, and the thing is, if you had said Christine, do you like folk horror? I'd be like, yeah, I mean, I guess so. The Wicker Man is one of my favorite movies, and I I mean, I suppose. But then this movie says, okay, great, you like The Wicker Man, you like Witchfinder General, that's fantastic. I'm super happy for you. But let me talk about all these other movies that you didn't even think of as folk, as folk horror. horror. Yeah, nice, and I, nice. And, it, and I ended up just like, oh, this might be mm. one of my favorite genres because it it comprises many genres so they talked about like the folk horror with its beginnings and in like in europe and britain and being very like um you know the people who lived in the woods the people who had kind of not wanted to continue with the sonny bean-esque thing yeah yeah like like they wanted they're they are different they're 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 still um using the old ways mm-hmm. and i like that but then it also it also got into like like the mo- modern stuff where like kill list oh yeah which i of course but like and then and then there's there's stuff about like how what folk horror kind of was 
for us, for this country, for the U.S., mm. is very much like settler like wrong war. turn type things, even. Um, but, you know, I don't think that happened, but yeah, like yeah, definitely that energy. Like there, it was like settler horror. Yeah. So like, like you know, East Coast, early colonial settings, and then you got your like Western expansion type stuff, and that is has folk horror elements. I believe it did. Um, mentioned that movie. I think you watched it. I talked about it a lot. The Wind. That yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. It talked about that, and I would have never been like, "That's folk horror," but of course it is. Interesting. And so basically, I walked away from this with a, a completely different uh, view on the genre as a whole. And it is a relatively recent term. It, it is. I don't think I'd ever heard of the term until when I went to see uh, Midsommar and I went to the Alamo to see it and they had a like 10 minute folk horror documentary of sorts. I don't know if that had anything to do with this or this was unrelated, but it was like history of folk horror in a very, very condensed form. And it was like, oh, oh yeah, I've watched, oh yeah, those, all of these movies yep. kind of fall into like, right. And I think the, the witch or the Vavitch was probably the one that like kicked it off again to us of like, oh right, that, Right, that's that. That's what we call that. Right, that's what we call this type of genre that yeah. we never really figured out what to do with. And Be- yeah, there's because diff- it, yeah, it does cross genre so much. Like mm. you wouldn't say that Kill List is the same genre as The Wind. Yeah, I, it, but like it falls under this. The, I guess what 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 this posits is that folk horror is the genre and then all these other things are just subgenres. Mm. and and like I never really thought of it that way and it really I thought it was very interesting and I fucking I guess I love that shit and I never really realized that it was nice. this big thing that I liked um so I don't know I mean it I think it was at Fantastic Fest and then I saw it at Nightstream and I know there's like a big massive like blu-ray release of it that is going to be packaged with some some other some folk horror movies oh nice um and now i kind of might want to buy it Mm, because one of the things that they like we get to pick our movies for the fest and one of the things they were offering was some folk horror um like curated by the writer director and so we picked uh, 1981's Allison's Birthday. I don't know this movie. It was so good. It's Australian from 81. Ah. Um, on her 16th birthday, Allison Findlay and two of her friends make contact with a spirit who warns Allison of impending doom on her 19th birthday. Three years later, on the eve of turning 19, Allison returns home and makes a strange discovery in her family's backyard. Hmm. It was so fucking good. Nice. I have so, never heard of this one. I, I am not yeah, familiar with it. Isn't it so exciting to find yeah. like a mo- like a movie that like you didn't even know you wanted to see, and then being like, "Oh, well, my life is better for having seen." Oh, completely. It's. I mean, it really. We're in such an interesting time because obviously, like, we have access to everything with a million different streaming sites and all that. Um, and yet there are the people who are like, I don't know, I spent two hours flipping around on Netflix and couldn't find anything to watch. 
And you're like, oh, wow, my heart's breaking for you. Like, turn on Canopy. Or, like, trust me, there's stuff you haven't seen. Yep. And, like, you and I, like, you ran a film magazine. Like, I've, I've watched way too many movies, and yet there are movies in my exact genre, in my exact yep. seat spot. Like, I'm looking at the poster for Allison's birthday, and it's a birthday cake with a disemboweled head. I'm like, this, like, how would I have ever walked by that in a video store? I would have been on my shelf immediately. And yet yep. I've never heard of it. So, yeah. What a wonderful time to be alive, everybody. It re- it's re- it was really cool. So I, I, I took the long way around on that. But I just wanted to express that <laughs> that I'm ex- I think that if you if you can f- get this if you can eventually see this documentary you should and if you can find these movies you should look at them because nice. the it's the the woman who wrote and directed it um wrote the House of Psychotic Women did I just completely make up the name of a book that uh, a book that I really like <gasps> that I'll google in a minute <laughs> I just found Allison's birthday is on Tubi Oh fuck so it's on Tubi everybody literally everyone go watch it I will Seriously I promise it, I it, will the end of that movie, it's a it's a wild ride. It's an nice. it's an eighties movie. It's an Australia. It's all the things you think it's yeah. gonna be. The end of that movie kicked me in the teeth. I got so depressed. Ooh, all right, <laughs> I love it. But yeah, I, I just it's really good and trust trust it. It's a good. It's nice. gonna show you good movies and you're gonna want to watch them all. Nice, very nice. All right. Um, I will close with two other Halloweenish related things. One that um, is also a, a downbeat one: the Muppets Haunted Mansion. Oh, <laughs> it really I didn't wasn't want... good. No, don't watch it. It's not good. I didn't want to watch it. It's it's very disappointing because it's. And here's something I've noticed. This was true. I think of the Muppet show, show that they did in Disney Plus this year, mm-hmm. which I enjoyed for the most part. Their timing is really bad. Like mm. everything. Even on the Muppet Show, which I enjoyed, I'm like, every one of these sketches goes on too long. And this entire special goes on too long. But, like, every sequence, you're like, it's, we're still going? Can yeah. Keep moving? The kids are watching this. Don't they have some, don't they have some talk taking to do? Like, it's, it's can, just poorly paced. Can I say something controversial yet brave? Go for it. Um, I think that, oh, this is really, sorry if this is you. I think that if, I think there's a lot of people saying that they really enjoyed this, and I think they're lying. Not, not like to me, but yeah, to themselves. themselves. Yeah, <laughs> you know, this was one because I, you know, when I, when I watch things with my husband, usually the best case scenario is we both enjoy it. Yeah. Now I have made him watch Maximum Overdrive, so I know that's not always going to be the case. Mm-hmm. But we watch this, and like it starts, and I'm into it, and I'm I'm chuckling, and it, but it got to a point where I'm like, okay, I have I have no idea how he's feeling about it. And as soon as it ends, I look at him and he looks at me, he goes, that wasn't very good. And it was like, oh, yeah, no, you're like, yeah, because if he had said, well, that was delightful, I would have had to do the thing where I'm like, "Uh aha, because I wouldn't have wanted to make it. A a lot of times I don't want to not like something or say why I don't like something that he likes, because I don't have any reason to bring his joy down. Right. And I try really hard in life to do that. Like on Facebook, somebody posts, VHS is the greatest movie ever. I don't want to jump in and be like, it really hates women, but sure. Because I I don't need to do that. Like, unless I feel like somebody needs to hear that, I don't ever want to just attack something that somebody likes. I try really hard not to. Um, And so as soon as he said that, I'm like, okay, yeah, like, I'm glad we both feel that way because I would have had to like smile through it otherwise. And I get it. Like, because I've loved most of the newer Muppet properties. I loved the Muppets. I loved Muppets Most Wanted. Um, 
I know a lot of, and you didn't like the Muppets. I think you like Muppets Most Wanted. So I know there are diehard Muppet fans who are, who have been able to see it without rose colored glasses to say, no, this was good. This wasn't good. And so on. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I would, I have a hard time understanding how somebody, maybe if you're just a real Disney person, you'd like it. And that, that's a really good point because, yeah. because there is a distinction there. I am not yeah. one of those. So I want, I go into a Muppet experience wanting certain things. Um, And I don't feel like Disney is interested in giving me those things. Yes. And I think this, like, I don't have huge Disney nostalgia. I don't have Disneyland or Disney Park nostalgia. No. And I think people, a lot of people that might have really liked this are big Haunted Mansion fans. So, like, there's little references in the beginning that I remember that I'm like, oh, that's cute. But then it just doesn't go anywhere. I think there's a lot more references that probably I wasn't clocking that maybe just please people. So. Yeah, yeah. So I retract my statement. I don't know if you're a diehard um, Muppets Take Manhattan, Great Muppet Caper fan. If I don't know how you would really like this, and that's coming yeah. from someone who hasn't watched it. So take it with a grain yeah. of salt. But I am telling you, somebody who did watch it and who yeah. is a huge Muppets Take Manhattan and Muppet, Great Muppet you, Caper fan didn't like it. Did you watch the Star Wars Halloween stuff? No, is that Lego stuff? I think so, but like no. I was interested in that. I just no, didn't know. <laughs> I I I feel like, and I am normally not like a person that's like anti-populist, um, but there's a like I hit a point where I'm like I don't I don't need to keep watching The Mandalorian. Everybody else is watching it. That's great. It just isn't for me anymore. And like that was a weird point to hit for me. Who, I bet. If you had told, you know, 10-year-old Emily that one day there is going to be so much original Star Wars content that you cannot ca- watch it all in 24 hours of a day, her mind would have exploded in a good way. Yep. And today I'm like, that's good. Other people can have it. So, yeah. But the one thing that I want everybody to have, that everybody can have, because it's on YouTube. Um, first of all, Night Living Podcast, one of our good podcast friends, podcasts that have been, have, they've been podcasting for over 10 years. They're wonderful. Um, every Halloween, they do um, specials. They'll do like TV specials for Halloween. Mm-hmm. And this year, uh, Dear Andy uh, brought something to my attention that I had did not know existed, which was in 1996 and 1998, uh, a bunch of figure skaters, did the Halloween on Ice presentations, which is skaters like Nancy Kerrigan and Kurt Browning skating to the Monster Bash. Oh. And, like, one of them opens with um, uh, the Nancy Kerrigan in a bed as Nancy from Nightmare on Elm Street as they play the music <gasps> Shut your as mouth. they play the music to Halloween uh in one of them I can't remember who I think it was the 96 one um they actually play Silver Shamrock the song Are you joking I would never joke about something like this. Okay, I I was gonna be like, oh great, Emily, wrap it up. (laughs) But I'm like genuinely just go to YouTube, type in star. No, not stars on ice. Type in Halloween on ice. It'll autofill for you, um, and you will have a good like two hours of content. And you can like fast forward through all the backstage bits. It's very easy. Um, It is incredible. Cool. Yeah, that sounds really neat. It was lovely. It made my evening. It made my Halloween, I think. I'm going to watch it again on Halloween. I bet. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, so we leave you with that, people. You all have the happiest and safest of Halloweens. And don't go out to parties unless you're wearing masks, because instead you could just sit home 
watch folk horror, watch Doppelganger, and close it all up with Halloween on Ice, two, two years of it. I mean, I can't even add anything yeah. to that. Have, have we died and gone to heaven? Maybe. It's true. Maybe we have. Maybe I'm still in that room with Chucky, and this is what my afterlife is. Who knows? Oh, I'm there too, then. Yeah, that's true. Well, we'd have fun. Yeah, that's nice. All right, cool. All right, folks, at some point, Christine and I will be back with new movies. We'll post what those are going to be when we figure that out. But until then, all of y'all uh, have a happy Halloween. Yeah, um, happy Halloween. Don't eat all that candy that they claim is out there laced with THC. I mean, if it's... What's your favorite Halloween candy? I know you probably have limits, but is there still a Halloween candy that you like really crave and can eat? No, I can't eat any Halloween candies, but I do, I, I can remember when I did, and I liked, um, I like gummy stuff, always have. Oh, you're one of those people. You're, no, oh, you're, boy. no, 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 I say that in a good way, because you're one of those people I would want in my life, because then I can trade. Let's trade. Yeah, like, I can give you my Good and Plenty's, my Mike and Ike's, like, you get all of my sugar candy, and <gasps> I, I get all of your chocolate. Yeah, I, w- yeah. I would make those trades. Yeah, yeah, see, good system we got here, good system. 195,000 episodes and counting. (laughs) Goodbye. Bye bye. (laughs) Hit it! I wouldn't change places with anyone tonight. We'll carve pumpkin faces and watch the witches' flight. Every human heart will shudder Every soul will shake with fear Tonight, the creepiest Tonight, the scariest Tonight, the most wonderful Yes, night you ever seen this hairy skull.